From Workhouse Connect and A.J. Benza. Fame. Uh, he liked to be walked on a leash and play really dirty, kinky sex games. He's a... The guy put the cock in the Peacock Network, okay? Bitch. Hey, everybody. A.J. Benza here with Fame is a Bitch. This is your free show. It is Manic Monday for a terrific date. 222-2022. Oh, my goodness. Many of you know I'm into numbers. That, <laughs> they don't get much better than that. 222. 2022. Fantastic numbers. Um, great weekend. A lot of fun with the kids. Be sure to go to patreon.com slash fame is a bitch to get my take on the hanging of Jean-Luc Brunel, the filthy bastard who used to screw young models as a guy who ran Karen Models, a very, very good agency in Miami and New York, a good pal of Jeffrey Epstein. Jean-Luc was in jail for the last couple of years because of raping a minor, or maybe just raping somebody who wasn't a minor. Either way, a bad dude. I knew who he was. I was very good friends with his ex-wife, who I would be friends with to this day if I lived near her, but she's still in New York. Roberta Cherko, a beautiful model. Go check her out. C-H-I-R-K-O. Just a real sweetheart of a girl. She used to, well, she was and probably still is best friends with a, a girl that I dated, another one of her modeling friends, uh, Stephanie Janes. Two great chicks. And we had so many great times together. And we all knew that Roberta's ex-husband, Jean-Luc, was a piece of shit and cheated on her all the time. She finally divorced him. He was a bad guy. So go to my Patreon show to hear the inside word on that. That'll be a story that kind of dominates the headlines, or at least the fashion world the the next couple of days. Just a coked-out madman with a steady pipeline full of money and young girls coming toward him. And as a friend of mine said, who knew him and was a model at his agency for a while, I spoke to three different girls who worked at the agencies he ran. And they said, deep down inside, you know what? He really wasn't a bad guy. Like, he was okay. Like, models are very used to people at agencies or people around them that want to get laid. Like, models are very adept at knowing this guy's dangerous, this guy isn't. And they're able to get out of sticky situations. Some of them aren't. Some of them are way too young to have the coping skills or the fighting mechanisms to get away from it. The women I spoke to were able to get away from it. And they told me, you know, he wasn't a bad guy, but maybe everybody has a seed of evil in them. And they all attached it to once he met Jeffrey Epstein, and Epstein was like the pipeline for money for setting up another agency, his little seed of evil bloomed into a big tree of evil. That's the way the women I spoke to see it. Well, news about models is going to run today's show. You know you're doing a lot of cocaine if Kate Moss is mortified by your behavior, right? Apparently Kate Moss's half-sister, Lottie, is in rehab in Arizona, and she's been posting pictures of herself mostly naked, and making jokes about social media, I mean, making jokes on social media, because this, this, this friggin' TikTok has possessed the youth of America, and maybe the youth of the world, because, and not just the youth, by the way. Did you see this video that's making the rounds where a young mother, maybe she's 30-ish, a young mother is trying to capture the emotions of herself and her son after their pet dog died. 
and she's sitting in the car, and she's telling this young kid, maybe seven or eight years old, how to do it so it looks real. Because she wants to post either a TikTok or an Instagram video. Either way, she wants to post something dramatic to show how her and her son are torn to pieces about their dead puppy. I've had dogs die in my arms. My dog Lily died in my arms almost about two years ago. Nothing fake about that emotion. I mean, to watch your dog die, to try to shake it alive. Many of you heard those shows where Lily was fainting. I would leave the podcast to shake her alive. Um, it's awful. You, you, you can't fake that emotion. Once you have it, I don't know what this woman's about, that she needs to fake it or have her son fake it. It's awful. This one's a real winner because she knew exactly how she wanted his hand to almost touch his mouth and to cry while not crying. And the kid's face is blurred out, thank God. But this dumb bitch is, is forcing him to do it. And she's like, no, no, that's not good. No, that's not good. Watch me. Look at my face. Look at mommy. Look at how I do it. Listen to me. Look, go like this. Go like this. Look. Look. Mom, I don't want to do it. It's fake. No, listen to me. You're going to do it. And she hammers this poor kid. Look at me. Put your hand by your Look. Look. Shh, shh. Put your hand by your mouth like this. But let them see your eyes. Like, don't cover your mouth. Leave it open like this. And she's making the face of a fake crying face. It's almost evil. She's like, do this, do this. Do that, do that. And squint your eyes, but don't squint them too much. Look at mommy. This poor kid will never want a dog again. And I hope soon the father remarries and finds a really sweet, compassionate woman who doesn't have a TikTok account. Jesus, between that and the coronavirus, look at what the Chinese did to this country. We're pathetic. Anyhow, Kate's half-sister Lottie is mouthing the words from some movie. You know those videos they do where people mouth the words through a movie scene? It's all stupid. And she goes, I've got a really bad addiction to cocaine. And it's a video that's captioned when people ask why I'm in rehab. Nothing funny about going to rehab, asshole. And she misspells the word so she can stay on TikTok and not get censored. And she wrote, when everyone's glamorizing with an S, drug-taking, D-R-triple-O-G, but you're literally in R3H4B, rehab. Oh, so cool. And she's dancing to the theme from that disgusting show, Euphoria, on HBO, about drugged-up teenagers, which has no place on television. Some asshole the other day, had to be a gay guy, because gay guys get this way. Oh, Zendaya, the way she acted, she was on Meryl Streep level with her scene in Euphoria. I'm like, shut the fuck up. She's a young kid playing drunk and drugged out. And Meryl Streep can handle that. No, this was amazing. I, I could have said more, but I'd be thrown off that platform as well. Only like, gay men do this. Like, regular guys don't say that a young girl acting drugged up. Nothing glamorous about that, you shithead. Speaking no ill of Zendaya, I think she's great. Zendaya, Zendaya, I forget that name. I think it's Zendaya. She's adorable. So Lottie's 24 years old, and she's as wild as Kate Moss ever was. And Kate was once dubbed Cocaine Kate. You know, there were pictures back in 2005 doing hard doing lines of coke <laughs> they also called it a tank for how much vodka she could put away and she wasn't you know she wasn't a tall drink of water she was a tiny girl 
So now comes word that Kate, who's, by the way, Kate's going to be 50 in about a year and change. Think about that. Oh, Kate has now fallen out of sympathy for Lottie. And like many of us who, you know, when you're trying to help someone who's deep in an addiction, it eventually becomes impossible. And you just have to let them go. Like, it's sad, but you have to. It hurts, but you also have your own life to live and other responsibilities. And I know that still kind of hurts, but that's the way it is. Like David Spade and other dudes who were close to Chris Farley, who was addicted to booze and coke and pills and food and sex. Legendary stories. And Spade has told me, he, it hurt him that he eventually had to walk away from Farley. He said, we'd be hanging out, having a good old time, you know, having a restaurant meal. And incidentally, Chris Farley would literally put a pad of butter on each piece of steak he ate. Not a whole steak, each bite. Because he told people that the little piece of steak needs a hat. So clearly he wasn't going to be around a long time. But... Spade told me, you know, we'd be at a restaurant having fun, doing our thing, a bunch of comics, and as soon as we left, people would mob Farley. They'd mob him. You can't hide when you look and act like Chris Farley. And Farley would stay with fans and have fun, and while Spade and other comics like Schneider and such would be like, come on, Farley, let's go, let's go. It's like, nah, I'm going to hang out with these people because they had coke on him, or they bought booze for him. And he'd stay with these strangers. Kind of like Kevin Spacey walking into people's house parties. Remember that? There was major stories about Kevin Spacey showing up at people's house parties unannounced. He'd do that. He would just go alone. And if he found anything that resembled prey, he'd pounce. You know, people at the party are too busy acting all nuts. That Oh my God, Kevin Spacey just crashed our party. Yeah, fucking Kaiser Soze's in the house. But uh, yeah, he's also in your friend Tommy's asshole. So listen... Go up in the bedroom and separate these two. It's not just Kevin Spacey having fun. He's a predator. But nobody thought that way back then. But that's what addiction does to people and those closest to them. So now Kate Moss, who did so much coke, the country Columbia used to send her a Christmas card, has had it with Lottie's consumption. And Kate's kind of retired mostly from modeling now. She has her own Kate Moss agency has the catwalk stars of tomorrow. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. But her own sister is not on that roster, which has to hurt. I mean, let's put two and two together. Now, Kate's 19-year-old daughter, Lila, 
is a successful model. She signed to her mother's agency, and she's not into her her her, uh, her family's new black sheep either. She won't have anything to do with Lottie. And during the lockdown, Kate invited Lottie to come and live with her at their country house, and Lila was like, no, no, Mom, I won't have anything to do with this woman, this girl. I've had it. She comes, I go. So I guess it can be confusing at times. You know, you, you, you can have a great old time running around at the, Kate, at the great Kate Moss's, uh, as her great half-sister. You know, if Kate Moss is your half-sister, you can get some mileage out of that. But it can also make things difficult. For one, you'll never live to be as famous or as rich as your half-sister, or as popular or as famous, etc., etc., etc. You're not going to bang Johnny Depp like Kate did in every room with a Chateau Marmont. That's a true story. Johnny Depp took Kate Moss. They had sex in every room of Hollywood's Chateau Marmont. And if you don't know about the Chateau, it's a, it was a great little funky boutique hotel. Not little. Every room was decorated differently. So there were amenities and different designs to each room. And uh, over the course of a few years, Johnny took Kate, and their goal was to fuck in every different room. And they did. <laughs> Clearly, Kate was high, Johnny was drunk, loaded, high, fucked up. They had a ball. Man, did they have a ball. But Kate had two balls. Um, So you can have fun living in the shadow of somebody famous, or it could really make you grow up with resentment. And we've touched on that. So Lottie is now in L.A. running with a fast crowd, and Kate's daughter Lila was not into that at all. That's not her thing. She's disdainful of Lottie. She won't even be in a single picture on Instagram with her. And to this day, where nothing is official unless it's seen on Instagram, that's a pretty big deal to people of that generation. But the bottom line is Lila doesn't want to jeopardize her own blossoming modeling career. She's the new face of Fendi. She has a contract for, I think she modeled for Marc Jacobs. On the other hand, Lottie, oof. She did star in some fashion features in Vogue, and she probably thought, I'm on my way. But then she went lower and lower on the rungs. And uh, then she began posting naked pictures on a subscription website called Glow last year. And now she's on OnlyFans selling her underwear. Even if Kate Moss decided to do that now, if Kate Moss just said, do you want to buy my old Coke straws? And the underwear I wore when I was high, she would outsell poor old Lottie a million to one. That's the difference between being famous and not being famous. And it kills this kid. Lila can't take that Lottie is selling her underwear. Are farts in a bottle next? We talked about Farrah Abraham selling a little bit of her shit in a bottle, right? Oh yeah, little tiny like bottles you, you have cocaine in. Farrah Abraham has a, a, an endeavor now, the former teen mom, where, forget farting in a bottle, that's old school. She will put a little bit of her feces in a bottle and sell it to you. I forget how much it costs. When I told this to somebody I know, she was like, oh, that this person used to dance. She's like, oh, that we had guys tell us, give us your shit, your shitty underwear, your piss. Well, they wanted anything having to do with us. I know. I, I couldn't. That's not a market I was ever attracted to. But 
there they go. But why do I think that Aaron Carter is one day going to sell his sperm in a bottle? I could. It's been awfully quiet with him ever since uh, his girlfriend gave birth to their baby a couple of months ago, right? I wonder what's happening over there. I'm pretty sure some shit's about to go off pretty soon. But here's the thing. If you're, if you're Kate Moss and your half-sister has been doing this sort of embarrassing shit, it's going to piss you off. But when the lockdown happened, Kate felt sorry for her and tried to take her in and take care of her. And it just didn't work out. And she's frustrated because Lottie kept on wanting to drink and she kept posting sexually provocative stuff on Instagram all the time. And if you're Kate Moss, who was, well, let's say, will always be an addict, it's not easy to be around someone who's drinking. And she definitely doesn't want to see cocaine around her, that's for sure. Kate's been sober four years now. For decades, she was the party queen, wildest woman on the fashion scene. you got to remember, you youngsters, in the 90s and the mid-aughts, Kate Moss was every... I and mean, she dated the most notorious addict, the pop star Pete Doherty. You know, now she makes her own marmalade and goes to bed early. It's a very different person. Now, Kate has dropped a lot of her old party-loving crowd. She used to hang out with Rita Ora, Mick Jones of The Clash, and now she hangs out with, like, sober people like uh, DJ Fat Tony. I'm not really familiar with him, but I read about that. By the way, Chris Rock is now on the Rita Ora train. Yes, where it is, he's now banging Rita Ora. Rita's like a blue blazer in your closet. She goes with anything. Rita's always ready. Her name was even mentioned in the Harvey Weinstein saga. I get it. She's supposedly a lot of fun, decent-looking chick, has enough of her own money, so she's not on the take, so to speak. But her dating history is crazy. Rita Ora was with Robert Kardashian, and to that I say, why? What What the fuck does Rob Kardashian bring to the table? He's a depressed, fat hermit who sells socks with five sisters who are all multi-millionaires. He's, what, how? I think it was just Rita wanting to get close to the Kardashian clan or closer to the Kardashian clan, hoping maybe she could glom something off of them. You want to get weirder? Rita Ora even dated Travis Barker, who's now with Courtney Kardashian. Rita Ora dated Andrew Garfield before, during, and after he dated Emma Stone between 2011 and 2015. And she dated Taylor Swift's ex, Calvin Harris, who looks like a schmuck in every picture. By the way, he dated Ellie Golden. I'll stop there because I go down a rabbit hole of who dated who. It's so... The pollination, the cross-dating pollination, it's all incestuous at this level of Hollywood. But whenever I speak of Kate Moss, I always remember one trip I took to South Beach back in the day. It's weird. I'm generally not good on my own. I love having the right company with me. But for some reason, back in like 95, I want to say, or so, I used to leave New York City for South Beach and just go there alone. Stay there for two, three days. Get a little hotel room on Ocean Drive, which was right across the street from the beach and the beautiful ocean. Ocean Drive back then was very beautiful and quaint. Believe it or not, in the early 90s, not a lot of people were coming to Miami yet. Not yet. Now it's just busted out. 
But it was so quaint and beautiful. You felt like you found a place no one had found before, even though there were hundreds of people all around you. But there were still so many pockets of old Jewish people who left New York and New Jersey and retired to Florida. So you felt like, holy shit, no one knows we're down here. And the nightclubs started happening and great restaurants started happening and it became bedlam. Back then, we used to go out to dinner at night and bring our sunglasses because we knew we were going to stay out until the sun came up. It was insane. So, I think back then I, I, I got a room at the Cavalier Hotel, like a lot of hotels, on the beach in Miami. Very quaint, small, smelled great, nice flowers in the lobby. Lobbies were really tiny. Suntan, I smelled like suntan lotion, flowers, rum, cigarette smoke. Those places were the first places to have infused water in the lobby, like water with lemon and strawberries and lime in the bottle. Like No one was doing that back then. Now every big hotel does it in the lobby. But back in the early 90s, South Beach was leading the charge. It smelled like promise and anticipation. And I'd go to South Beach and I'd bring a couple of books. And back then I was reading Charles Bukowski like crazy. I'd found Bukowski. I've talked about this before, how certain music or books creep up on you. And without realizing it, they suddenly win you over. And it was like that with Bukowski and me. One day I read one of his books called Hollywood, and I was just hooked on this guy. Plus, I love the depressing movie Bukowski with uh, Barfly, I'm sorry, the movie Barfly with Mickey Rourke and Faye Dunaway. Mickey plays Bukowski, has a big bar fight with Frank Stallone. Great stuff. And, you know, people, Frank, Frank Stallone put up an Instagram story the other day about people making fun of his acting career and making fun of his career in general. He's got to stop doing that. Frank is a good, it's a great guy and a good actor and a great musician on his own. He doesn't need to talk about the people who find him to be a fraud. He ain't no fraud. Frank was famous before Sly was. Frank's the the terrific musician. I've seen him in person a couple of times. He's fantastic on stage. He should be in Vegas. But he didn't do that. He made a lot of movies. Not on his brother's coattails. Anyhow, Frank's great. There's also that, that documentary, I think it's on Amazon, called Stallone... Frank, that is. Look up look up Frank Stallone documentary. It really gives you a good peek into what his life was like growing up with Sly and how they both went the same way but different ways. It's a really fun thing to see. And other people who are much more qualified than I am will tell you just how great Frank is at acting and, 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 and music. But either way, great scene, great bar fight scene in Bar Flight. Um, it's a very sad movie, but sometimes filming ugly things can be beautiful, you know? So I started to rip through Bukowski's books and articles and anything he ever wrote. And of course, I had an attraction to alcohol and knowing that a writing hero of mine used used booze as fuel, well, that meant I tried the same thing. We've all been down that road. I mean, a lot of artistic types think, maybe I got to be high. Maybe I should be drunk. Really, your best stuff is done straight and sober, but you know, you, you, you experiment when you're young. He's got some lines, Bukowski, in his books that remain so simple yet so strong and deep. I'm going to give you a few. These are Bukowski's lines. And you have to imagine his voice very gravelly and deep from smoke and alcohol abuse. But here are some of his lines that knock me out. The problem with the world is that the intelligent people are full of doubts. Some people never go crazy. Find what you love and let it kill you. 
You've got to die a few times before you actually live. Some men never die and some men never live, but we're all alive tonight. He wrote something beautiful called, You Get So Alone Sometimes That It Just Makes Sense. (laughs) I love that title. Some of it goes like this. Just go show how tortured he was. He wrote, Van Gogh writing his brother for paints, Hemingway testing his shotgun, Celine going broke as a doctor of medicine, the impossibility of being human, Villon expelled from Paris for being a thief, Faulkner drunk in the gutters of his town, the impossibility of being human, Burroughs killing his wife with a gun, Mailer stabbing his, the impossibility of being human, Maupassant going mad in a rowboat, Dostoevsky lined up against the wall to be shot, crane off the back of a boat into the propeller, the impossibility, Sylvia with her head in the oven like a baked potato, Harry Crosby leaping into that black sun, Lorca murdered in the road by the Spanish troops, the impossibility, Artaud sitting on a madhouse bench, Chatterton drinking rat poison, Shakespeare a plagiarist, Beethoven with a horn stuck into his head against deafness, the impossibility, the impossibility. Nietzsche gone totally mad, the impossibility of being human, all too human, this breathing in and out, out and in, these punks, these cowards, these champions, these mad dogs of glory, moving this little bit of light toward us, impossibly. I, I, you know, that's just, I can't take it. And I won't, I won't do the whole thing, but there's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I'm too tough. I say, stay in there. I'm not going to let anybody see. There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I pour whiskey. I take his cigarettes so the whores, the bartenders, the grocery clerks never know that he's in there. There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I'm too tough. I say, stay down. Do you want to mess me up? Do you want to screw up all my works? There's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out, but I'm too clever. I let him out only at night sometimes when everybody sleeps. This is the kind of shit that Bukowski writes. I, I, so I'm out of my mind with him in South Beach. He's my companion. I'm heading back to my room one night after reading Bukowski on the beach and having a cocktail at some joint. And back then with my back hurting like crazy, keeping me in constant pain, I'd taken a couple of Percocets and I wanted to shower, lie down, get some rest. And I'm waiting with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So the elevator, and just as I'm getting on, a girl gets on behind me and doesn't notice me. It's Kate Moss. It's unmistakably Kate Moss. Walking behind me, 
I get to go to my room, and she passes me and goes to the room next to mine. So now Kate Ross is sleeping in the room next to me. Very weird feeling. Never my exact type of woman, but it's a little exciting knowing that she was right on the other side of my bedpost, right? I didn't have the guts to ask her to have a drink, so I lied in bed, tried to relax, wait for the pills to kick in, and then I heard the unmistakable sound of a razor blade on a mirror chopping cocaine, and then Kate snorting it like a Hoover vacuum cleaner. I sat up. No way. This can't be. Am I this lucky to have the room right next to her and to be able to hear this? I am right now one of the biggest gossip columnists in America and maybe the world's most famous and noticeable supermodel was right next door chopping up a bunch of coke and this went on for hours. And this is Miami coke. Chop, chop, chop. (laughs) Constantly. It was insane. This was the night I tell you that story where the director Abel Farrar called me at 4 o'clock in the morning and said, how much life you got in you? I said, I'm up. Come on by. I told him Kate was next door doing blow. He's like, great. I'll bring her over. He never did. But his idea was for us to write a new version of La Dolce Vita. The beautiful story about a gossip columnist and the life and the woman he loved in in Rome. And I said, well, Marcello Mastriani is a distant cousin of mine on my mother's side. I'm a gossip columnist. And out of anybody, I should be the one to write the new version. And we went to work. Abel arrives with an ice cream cone in one hand and an egg sandwich in the other. That's Miami. A few minutes later, that's Miami. That's what you can get at that hour. <laughs> an egg sandwich and ice cream. A few minutes later, Abel uh, has some lackey of his deliver Cuban coffee to us so we could stay out. There's a little little spot, little spots in Miami off Collins Avenue, I think, with great little places that holes in the wall that delivered Cuban coffee and little Dixie cups that was so powerful they feel you like cocaine and we kept on writing before you know it it's noon Abel makes a call and has this amazing food delivered from a great old Cuban spot in South Beach called Puerto Sagua love that place not fancy at all best Cuban food in America oh my god I've never been there Abel's like I'll order you'll be happy and he got something called Perico uh, perico is like eggs, ham, turkey, green pepper, tomato, onion, and like a nice loaf of Cuban bread sliced in half, buttered, toasted, and pressed down. Like, oh, just amazing food. He also got a fried grouper sandwich. I never tried that. That was decent, too. I'm out of my mind. We stayed up mapping out what the script should look like. M- mind you, Kate Moss is still doing cocaine. He was like... Yeah, so instead of Marcello in Rome, it's you in New York City. Instead of Anita Ekberg, it's your girl Cara. Instead of Anouk Ami, it's your Puerto Rican ex-girlfriend Rebecca. This is easy. We'll divide it into a prologue, seven major episodes, and an epilogue. I could write it tonight, but you do it. I'll direct it. That was Abel Ferrara. It was very surreal shit. But as good or as great as a director Abel was, and now he lives in Rome and he's doing well again, if you've seen The Bad Lieutenant, The Funeral, The King of New York, he's made some really good New York films. I follow him outside, blinding sun, naturally, 12.30 in the afternoon in South Beach. And I watched Abel walk away and he checked two different pay phones for change. And I thought, what am I doing? I could write this movie, but Abel isn't at that place where anyone would take him seriously because he was so deep in his addiction. And not too long after that, we bump into each other in New York City. I was with Joey at the time, and 
Abel wouldn't take no for an answer about driving him back to his loft in Brooklyn. You gotta come. You gotta come. I want to show you stuff. Ten minutes. Ten minutes. New York to Brooklyn is not ten minutes. It's at least thirty-five minutes with any kind of traffic. It's nighttime. It's over a bridge. It's a whole fucking thing. Or through a tunnel. He wanted to go over my progress. Now, at this point, Joey was in college taking cinema classes. So when Abel asked, to, you want to come to my house, Joey couldn't get over. He said, oh my God, this is fucking Abel Fraud, bro. We got to go. I'm like, okay, we'll go, we'll go. We get to his place. There's some guy waiting there for him. Very disjointed evening. Eventually, Abel and this buddy of his just begin smoking crack in a pipe. Like this, they took it out like they took out a, a box of checkers. Like, here's our crack. And, you know, this is what we do. This is how I am socially. He offered us the pipe, and I'm like, no, we don't no, we don't do that, bro. Don't worry about it. Very polite. And we spoke for a few minutes about the screenplay. Then I said I gotta get back to Manhattan, blah, blah, blah. But there was there wasn't a soul who would hire Abel for a job back then. And that sucked because he was still sharp as far as what should be included in the screenplay, how to do it, what to do, what to say, what to write. But we laughed and laughed so hard at how unusual the last two hours were. When I was younger, I watched a movie called After Hours that Scorsese directed. Really fun movie. Griffin Dunn, Roseanne Arquette. One of the first, probably the first movie that got me so excited to get back into, into Soho and visit Soho. Soho was like not often talked about back in the 80s, early 80s. And when I saw After Hours, man, I had to get into Soho. And of course, I spent years there living there and nearby and nightlife every night. But all those stories are, you know, very similar and very attached, the ones I just told you. And that, you know, these people get hooked on these addictions. Like, there's a new story now. Matt Harvey, who was a great pitcher for the Mets. They called him the Dark Knight. And he's now involved in this death of a, of a California Angels pitcher who was taking Percocet and did coke and Harvey happened to be there. Harvey happened to give him the pills. And this guy OD'd. And Harvey's career is basically over. Because you look back on his days as a Met when he didn't show up for spring training, when he had a fight with a teammate, when he left, when he, when he needed to get out of a game early. You know, you go, wait, those are cocaine moments. You recognize that now. Some of us saw that stuff happening and said, he's on, he's on blow, man. I could tell. I, I knew when Doc Gooden was getting high as a Met. But cocaine was all around us in the 80s in New York, especially in New York. We had our athletes alone, Lawrence Taylor, Michael Ray Richardson, uh, Doc Gooden, Daryl Strawberry, Keith Hernandez. His career was almost ruined because he couldn't shake cocaine. Mike Tyson, of course, everywhere. But this fall of Matt Harvey's has been quick and steep. And I was reminded of that watching Jackass Forever. I took the kids to see Jackass Forever. Warning, you need to know your kids are going to see a lot of dicks. I mean, they take their junk out in this movie a ton of times. I didn't know. I thought maybe three times. It's about 100. So my daughter's 17. I warned her, Roxy, you're going to be okay with this? Because I don't care. We can go. She loved it. She laughed like crazy. We laughed like all of us laughed like crazy. It's a fun movie. But you go back watching this movie, 20 years before, when these guys first thought of these stunts, they were all high. Young, dumb, brave, and high. Ryan Dunn eventually died an alcoholic in a car crash. Bam Margera, drug addict, alcoholic. Steve-O, major rehab, now he's sober. Johnny Knoxville, I don't think he was ever over the edge, alcoholic and shit like that, but he had his days where things were like shaking. 
But for them to do these stunts now and be straight and not be poked out or pilled out like they were 20 years ago, it's really something incredible to watch. Especially Johnny Knoxville getting run over by a bull. It doesn't make... I mean, he flips three times in the air. Anyhow, talking about cocaine in the 80s gets me crazy because it's just... It was an era that will probably never happen again. But addiction will always be around us, especially as long as Biden leaves the fucking border open down south. But as scary as it was, I can't say I regret being around for it. And to be around all those people who were able to perform perfectly, and even those that were struck down because of their addictions, because their addictions were just too much of a cross to bear. I sat there with my kids in that dark theater, and all I could do was hope to God they won't get sucked in there like their father did. Maybe if I'm around long enough and tell them the ills of it, they'll steer clear. I can only hope. I'm AJ Benza. That was your free show, Manic Monday, Blocane Mondays, here February 22nd, 2022. Join the Patreon, hear all about Jean-Luc Brunel, the rapist who hung himself in his jail cell in Paris, and other great stories like that. Otherwise, I'll talk to you guys Wednesday. Take care. Thank you for listening. Fame is a Bitch is an AJ Benza Workhouse Connect production featuring the endless wisdom, insightful commentary, and sometimes fucked up perspective of AJ Benza. Executive producer, Mike Agavino. 